are still ruling the country today And I don't really feel like they have the right to take more than they already have from us away This ain't about that Or has it really been all along? No, this ain't about that If you wanna focus on right and wrong Shouldn't schools have better sexual education or contraception information for once? Only 24 states require sex ed, so more than half of U.S. teens need a condom. The problem's abortion. Focus on what's going on. It is an abortion. If you want to focus on right and wrong. This is my body. This is my choice. A painful decision. But you aren't going to steal my voice. It isn't just morals. And it's not black and white. We will govern our bodies. It's our legal right. Let's make the fight. Did you know that many think the morning after pill is an atrocity that should be banned? Maybe men should get vasectomies and get them reversed. Once they find a woman who'll take their hands, this ain't about that. This is all about what's legally like, what's an issue of law is. Turning into one of moral strikes. Life is an equivalent based on definition, you must account for experience. And remember that a fetus requires another body to give them their sustenance. The courts can't force us to donate organs or blood of our own. This is no exception. We can face our repercussions alone. This is my body. This is my choice, a painful decision, but you aren't gonna steal my voice. It isn't just morals, and it's not black and white. This is my body, and it's my legal rights. Listen. will be scared of making any incision, which means they won't be acting on their best medical decision should they just make an attempt, which is not defined. They face 99 years of prison down the line. And yet, let's say they don't perform because they're scared of spending time. Say the patient gets sick and sues the doctor for the crime. This all affects the healthcare system for you and me, facing higher doctor's bills to balance liability. And everybody's terrified and everybody's ill. Meanwhile, thousands could use help just getting themselves on the pill. There are way too many babies and the population's growing. We're running out of water and the rate of death is slowing. Adoptions are hard, the foster system's saturated, but an 11-year-old's birth just because she's impregnated by an uncle or rando who held her down and raped her, she was too afraid to tell, and it didn't show till three months later. And now she has the blessing to ruin her life and her physique while to carry on the genes of men who violate the weak. I don't think so. For every woman who's ever had to get on her knees, stand up. This is my body, this is my choice, a painful decision, you aren't gonna steal my voice, it isn't as moral, and it's not black and white, this is our body, 
What's happening? Insects causing fun. 93 million miles away from the sun. New grooves. Show and prove. It's the move, it's the move. Funky songs. But let me not prolong, not prolong. So check it out. Keep 
Good morning. My name is Sarah Basehart and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a member of your board of trustees and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we in Columbia reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. I wanna express my gratitude to all within our community who are striving to keep us connected and to provide meaningful worship services during this unusual and trying time again. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests who are watching this service. We hope that you will join us in the future when we return once again to worship at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center so that we will have a chance to meet and welcome you in person. I just have two announcements this morning. Join staff members Robin and Kelly at noon today for our UU Kids for a Livable Planet chat and art session. We'll talk about what it means to have a healthy world and prepare artwork to send to our Maryland legislators to support climate solutions and human rights. We hope to see you there. UUCC's Board of Trustees will be hosting a series of congressional, sorry, congregational conversations on three open questions. Opportunities for our community to practice visionary, deep, and future-oriented thinking together. You're invited to stay after service on the first and third Sundays of February, March, and April to join in small group discussions facilitated by board members as we think and imagine together. Learn more through an announcement link in today's order of service. I'm sure it'll be in the chat too. Thank you. Good morning, UUCC and guests, wherever you're joining us from. 
Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Sarah, for the welcome. My name is Paige Getty. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And it is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you today and to serve this congregation as minister. It is good to be together, even though we are mostly virtual. There are only six of us here in the sanctuary today. You can find the order of service online using either the link in the chat or the QR code that's going to appear on your screen here. If you're a guest today, please complete the visitor form so that we're better able to stay in touch with you. We will honor personal joys and sorrows late in the service today, so please send yours via email, joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. And remember, even though we're gathering virtually today, you can participate in some of our worship rituals by lighting your own flame, whether you have a chalice to put it in or not, by honoring joys and sorrows with your own bowl of water and pebbles or marbles or beads. So be sure to gather your supplies around as we worship together. Thank you to Margaret and Sarah and the tech team and Sarah and Tina and Jody and John and Jen and all who are supporting this service as volunteers both in front of and behind the camera. And a special shout out to Robin Hesse who will host Social Hour following the service, which we have missed in recent weeks. Thanks to all of you. This morning, we join sibling congregations from around the United States in honoring the 49th anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision in Roe versus Wade, a decision that ensured greater legal access to safe abortion, a legal case which I learned just this week was forged in the basement of First Unitarian Church in Dallas, Texas. We honor this anniversary because as a religious movement, Unitarian Universalists have long advocated for reproductive choice and health, including access to comprehensive sexuality education, access to safe abortion, access to prenatal and postpartum care, and more. In the last decade, we have committed to fuller engagement in reproductive justice deepening our understanding of how real justice demands our attention to economic, racial, gender, and other inequities that impact what choices actually are available in any situation, regardless of the legal status of abortion services. And as faith communities, we have long welcomed without judgment people who make all sorts of reproductive choices, saying, you are welcome, you are loved, your body is yours for pleasure, for health, for you. And there is no inherent shame or sin in making whatever choices are best for you, for your well-being, for your family. So today, through poetry and prayer and reflection and song, we honor and reaffirm this commitment at a time when legal access to abortion is under threat in state legislatures around the country and again at the Supreme Court, and at a time when reproductive justice is still merely an aspiration regardless. Today and always, you are welcome. You are loved, and your body is sacred and yours. I invite you to settle in and open yourself to this celebration and this commemoration and recommitment 
as we hear the words of invocation and welcome that were written by Reverend Dr. Deborah Hafner, who's a Unitarian Universalist minister and professional sexuality educator. She writes, you are welcome here. If you are straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, intersexual, demisexual, pansexual, or asexual, or resist labels completely, you are whole and welcome here. If you are transgender, non-binary, genderqueer, or cisgender, you are whole and welcome here. If you are confused about your sexuality, have questions, struggle in an intimate relationship, or struggle because you aren't in one, you are whole and welcome here. If you had an abortion or an unintended pregnancy, given up a child, had a miscarriage, have AIDS or HIV, struggle with infertility or sexual dysfunction, you are whole and welcome here. If you have been the victim of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, or sexual assault, you are whole and welcome here. If you have made sexual decisions or behaviors that you regret, you are welcome here, and we will help you offer restorative justice and healing. Your sexuality is holy and sacred and an integral part of who you are. You are whole and welcome here. As Unitarian Universalists, we will side with you, love you, and fight for your rights. We seek to create a world where sexuality and sexual diversity is celebrated with holiness and integrity. Let us now worship. Good morning, my name is Tina Horn and our chalice lighting today is from Starhawk. Earth Mother, Star Mother, you who are called by a thousand names, may all remember we are cells in your body and dance together. You are the grain and the loaf that sustains us each day. And as you are patient with our struggles to learn, so shall we be patient with ourselves and each other. We are radiant light and sacred dark, the balance. You are the embrace, the heartens, and the freedom beyond fear. Within you, we are born, we grow, live, and die. You bring us around the circle to rebirth. Within us, you dance forever. Will you please now join in speaking together our congregational covenant as we recommit also to these promises that we make with one another. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired, inspired by our by seven it. principles, we promise 
to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now our Zoom host is going to unmute you or allow you to unmute yourselves so that you can greet one another. Go to gallery view and see all these beautiful faces. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning, there we are. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the Religious Education Assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. If you were to look back at photos of me from my childhood, you would see many pictures of me with my favorite doll, Raggedy Ann. She went everywhere with me. If you were to look back on those same pictures, you'd see a lot of them with me hiding behind her like this. And while I did that, I would proclaim to everyone in the room that they could no longer see me. And I wasn't kidding. It was well known in my family that when I did this, I would not be engaging with the room for a while. Looking back, I think it was a very clear expression of my desire to have agency to make choices about how I wanted to engage with the world. More than anyone else, I think children innately understand the concept of agency and the value of having choices. And they also clearly understand the importance of asserting their needs. They may wanna give you a hug or they may not and they clearly assert that choice. They may want to take a nap or they may want not, and they clearly express that choice. Children instinctively know that they should have an active role in making decisions about their lives. Back in 2019, a brilliant teacher in Taiwan, Nataya Nat, showed the world one way in which we might instill in our children the importance of agency. And so we're gonna show you a short video this morning and thank you for that tech team. And so what this teacher did was create a chart on the back of the wall and the students got a choice about how they wanted to greet and be greeted on that day. So they could choose a dance move, they could choose a fist pump, they could choose a high five. They decided how they wanted to engage with the world and with their bodies. Thank you for that tech team. So now I'm gonna invite you this morning to choose a greeting for yourself. You can choose a hug, you can choose a high five, you can choose a fist pump, or if you'd like, a little dance move. And so again, hug, high five, fist pump, 
or dance move. So on three, two, one, I invite you to choose your greeting this morning. Three, two, one, choosing. <laughs> and I can't speak for anybody else, but there's a great joy in this idea that we get to choose. One week after that video was posted, it received 3.7 million views. And that technique has been copied by teachers all around the world. When we look at that video, we see the many expressions of love between a teacher and her students. We're witnessing radical hospitality, but there's something else. We're witnessing the excitement and powerful feeling that comes when agency and choice are prioritized. The right to make choices about and have agency over our bodies and how we use them in the world is the most fundamental right we have. And yet, close to 50 years after Roe versus Wade became law, we are still debating reproductive rights in this country. There is still somehow debate around something which the smallest of children innately understand. As we fight this fight again, our goal is clear that the law of our land forever reflects the deep knowing and wisdom of our children. Happy Sunday, UCC. Thank you, Kelly. Will you all join now in singing with Michael and me, There's a River Flowing in My Soul. It's number 1007 in Singing the Journey, and those lyrics will appear on your screen. Jody Brown, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. This is Freedom to Flourish from Reverend Joan Javier Duvall, who is the minister of the Unitarian Church of Montpelier, Vermont. I am here as someone who exists in a body that conceived a pregnancy. 
I am here as someone who exists in a body that conceived and by luck and grace and good fortune carried a pregnancy to full term. I am here as someone who exists in a body that conceived and carried a pregnancy to full term that was delivered by C-section and that beautiful baby made me a mother. I'm here as someone who exists in a body that conceived and carried another pregnancy. That pregnancy though, after eight weeks by the mysterious workings of the human body stopped growing. And I did not carry that embryo through its development. Instead, by luck and grace of living where I do, I was able to use my own sacred conscience, the consultation of my doctor and spouse and the stirrings of my own heart to make the painful decision to have that miscarried pregnancy removed from my body. How grateful I am that I had that choice, as heartbreaking as it was to make. As a Unitarian Universalist minister, my faith loudly declares that life is sacred and that all people, including and especially those whose bodies can carry pregnancies, have sacred and holy agency and sovereignty over their bodies. My faith, and I know other faith traditions do as well, loudly declares that all people have the inherent right to make ethical and moral decisions about their bodies, as painful as these decisions are at times. I believe and my faith asserts that the direct personal experience of our own lives is a sacred source of authority in choosing our own path and future. To use religious dogma that proclaims the sanctity of life as a guise for restricting personal agency and legislating other people's bodies is bad theology. It is bad theology to claim a concern for the sanctity of life on the one hand, while ignoring children dying at the border, trans women murdered on the streets, the continued defunding of public education and fossil fuel induced ecological catastrophe on the other. We all want freedom, the freedom to live and love without fear or condemnation, the freedom to be well and whole in body, mind and spirit, the freedom to flourish in the brief but grace-filled lives we are so blessed to have on this precious earth. Our reproductive freedom is a necessary part of the wellness and flourishing that we all desire and that we all deserve. Thank you, Jody, for giving voice to Joan's words. One Sunday each month, we hear from a UUCC member about why they invest generously as a steward of UUCC invest with money, with time. They remind us how this community benefits us all and how it thrives because of our investment in it. Today, we're going to hear from John Guy, and it feels especially appropriate on this particular day because John's late wife, Seeger, was such a devoted advocate for reproductive rights, expressed especially through her commitment to Planned Parenthood of Maryland, to whose leadership Seeger introduced me soon after I arrived in Columbia. Seeger has been much on my mind as I've prepared for today. And John, we're very glad to hear from you this morning. Thank you, Reverend. Very thoughtful, beautiful lady. I had wonderful 59 years with her. I'll never forget it. On to generosity moment. Good morning, UUCC givers. Back in 1991, Seeger, my first wife, and I had our first visit to UUCC, the memorial service for David Mardra. David had worked with me at NSA. 
And we were very impressed with the memorial service, our first in a UU church, although we had been UU members of All Souls Church Unitarian in D.C. since 1968. So step forward to 1995, when I retired and opted to attend services here with Seeger. That 60-mile drive round trip to D.C. had become old hat. For the first 10 years here, I had the privilege of working with Gail and other leaders helping UUCC establish its financial framework, the framework of our three funds, operating, endowment, and capital. UUCC thrives when growing those funds while doing its religious advances. In 2014, when UUCC celebrated its 50th anniversary, I was seated with Gail and the other founders that were alive at that ceremony. It came over me that this congregation really deserves to also celebrate its first century. And we all need to do our part in effecting that event. Now it's eight years later, I'm in my upper 80s and find myself doing legacy giving to help future boards in building budgets more easily. All three of the UUCC funds comprise targets of Gail's and my annual giving. We give full up on the annual operating budget pledge and we make directed gifts to the principal in the endowment fund to grow its basis. And we do directed gifts to prepaying the long-term capital debt so as to accelerate UUCC's ability to pay it off early. Little did I know I would be where I am today, <laughs> the spouse of Gail Thompson, a member of UUCC, and fully committed to advancing UUCC's mission and financial future. Gail and I love this congregation. We thrive on worshiping here, and we delight in the work of the Religious Education Department. Thank all of you for accepting us and embracing us. Amen. Thank you, John and Gail, too. As we consider what we've just heard from John about how we thrive on worshiping, playing, connecting here, we remember, too, how UUCC thrives on our investment in it. You're invited in a moment to make a financial contribution of your own through text or online giving and to give generously. As you make your contributions, we're going to hear the gift of music and today, it's a piece that was recorded for last year's Roe versus Wade anniversary, composed by Amanda Shires and performed here by her and a number of other singers. Of the song's origins, Shires says, I got the idea when I was working through feelings of having an abortion myself in the state where I lived in and the difficulties with that. My friend who took me did not believe the same things as me. 
but she still found in her heart to support me during this. And in the process together, we found a lot of common ground. All I'm trying to prove is that everybody be a little bit more open, that we can support one another, even if we believe a little bit differently. Because at the end of the day, if what I'm doing with my body isn't hurting anybody, then it's my right. Thank you, Michael, for finding and choosing this song. And thank you all for your generosity. Your offerings will now be freely given and very gratefully received. Remember Katie White? She jumped the fence that night. She ran away in tears. Your sister drank her beer. We were just 18. The older girls could be so mean. I was talking just to talk. You were still in charge. And all I could think to say is everything's gonna be okay. It's gonna be it's gonna okay. Be
on choosing abortion by Reverend M. Barclay of Enfleshed. God is not a judge who sits at a distance shaking his finger at us about divine rules and regulations. God is within, like a whisper, like a question, like a knowing and a rising. God lures us towards each other, towards collective flourishing, towards power growing from the margins, towards our roots deep in the earth. God pulls us in every direction that serves love and life. Sometimes that direction is abortion. When a woman or a trans man or a non-binary person with a uterus becomes pregnant and must decide how best to foster life, their own and that of their family and that of this earth breaking under our burdens, God knows for many there are such few choices available in this racist, classist, cis-sexist system. The God of the fringes, the impoverished, the oppressed, condemns every form of coercion and every act of control over the bodies of those who ask all the right questions of life and autonomy and futures and collective well-being under all the wrong systems that abandon and judge and isolate and weigh down. Let us not grow weary in claiming our power, in professing and practicing our solidarity, in sharing our resources, and in following the one who from the margins cries, come and follow. One of the pivotal moments of my own faith journey was the moment when I first heard someone utter the words, Religious Coalition for Abortion Rights. I was around 20 years old, standing in a fancy parlor on my college campus, one of a small group of students and faculty engaged in conversation with Sarah Weddington, who earlier that day had delivered the convocation address to the whole school on the topic of women in leadership. Her speech had nothing to do with abortion rights. But since Weddington was the attorney who had successfully argued Roe versus Wade before the Supreme Court years earlier, the abortion question arose during this Q&A time. As part of one of her responses, Weddington referred to RCAR, Religious Coalition for Abortion Rights, which later became and is still now RCRC, the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. I was stunned. Call me naive, because I was in many ways. Not only had I never heard of the organization, but the very concept was completely foreign to me. It was possible to be religious and in favor of abortion rights? To that point in my life, my life that was largely characterized by my own conservative religious identity, the idea was entirely anathema. Faithful religious people believed that abortion was a sin, 
period. And yet, at that point in my life, I knew already of two classmates, two friends, who had terminated pregnancies. And I was struggling to reconcile that knowledge with my faith, because I also knew that those friends had made choices that were absolutely the right choices for them. This experience was pivotal and germinal in my religious journey. In the 30 years since that day, much of my personal faith journey, as well as my vocational work as a faith leader, has been about exploring and navigating the world of morality and ethics and justice and reconciling what I once thought to be true and right and just with new information that might contradict that. New information presented to me as facts, new data, but most importantly, information expressed as stories of the lived experience of very real people whose lives are different from mine. Also in the years since that day in Burden Parlor, I have developed into a fierce and frankly sometimes strident supporter of abortion rights. I don't think safe and legal abortion is morally neutral. I think it's morally good. I think abortion should be more accessible and destigmatized. I've never needed or desired an abortion for myself. But like Joan, whose words we heard from Jody earlier, I have been pregnant by choice four times that I know of. Two of those pregnancies ended in miscarriage, following which I had the good fortune and resources, as Joan said, to have the miscarried pregnancies removed from my body. And for years following the birth of our second child, it has been possible that my body could conceive another pregnancy. And yet I am clear that raising another child would not be best for me or our family. So as unlikely as it has been that I would get pregnant again, because of my knowledge and resources to prevent such an outcome, because of my own behavioral choices and so on, I know that I would want to terminate a pregnancy if another one were to occur in my body. And I'm a parent to two people who have uteruses who could become pregnant. It is absolutely critical to me that they make informed choices about their own sexual activity that they engage only in consensual behavior that respects themselves and their partners. And it is critical to me that they have access to abortion if they find themselves pregnant and don't want to be. I also know that this stridency of mine in favor of abortion needs to stay in check. Those children that I'm helping to raise they need to know not only that I would support them in accessing abortion if it's needed or desired, but also that I'd support them in carrying an, an unplanned pregnancy to term, if that's their choice. That I would support them in cultivating the resources needed to provide for that child's health and well-being, whether they choose to be the child's parents or not. If I am truly pro-choice, then I must be sincerely supportive of a range of choices. Just as I worked to understand my college classmates' choices to terminate pregnancies, I also had to work to reconcile another classmate's choice to carry a pregnancy to term, 
to become a parent at age 18. What a joy to see a celebration of that child's 32nd birthday just this week on Facebook. What I eventually had to admit to myself was that my own judginess was rooted as much in judgment about sexual behavior as it was about pregnancy behavior. And if I am sincerely pro-choice, then I also support and advocate for the right of consenting adults to engage in whatever private, consensual behaviors they choose. My own understanding and our understanding as a religious movement about these questions of choice continues to evolve. What a privilege it is to be worried only about whether I and the children I'm helping to raise would be able to get an abortion if desired. What about the obstacles of poverty, of isolation, of barriers to adequate information and health care, of systemic oppression and discrimination because of race or sexual orientation or gender, of real threat of harm because of domestic or religious contexts. The reproductive justice movement was created by a coalition of women of color to promote the right of all women to have children, not to have children, and to raise their children in safe and healthy environments. In an article about Unitarian Universalism and the reproductive justice movement, Reverend Darcy Baxter wrote this. For many activists and advocates today, the pro-choice movement has focused too much on legalized abortion and not enough on actual access to abortion services. Focused too much on the right not to have children and not enough on the right to have children. Many communities of color carry with them a history of government abuse and intervention in their reproductive lives, including forced sterilization, discriminatory foster care enforcement, and forced abortions of incarcerated women. For incarcerated women. Reproductive freedom, she says, requires much more than a legal right to abortion. In order for a person of any sex or gender to live with dignity, a matrix of rights, resources, and relations must exist. In that same essay, in, a, in relating a story of a person she was supporting through a national hotline, Baxter says, to be truthful, even if, if Melissa had access to an abortion, I do not know if she really would have had a choice. I'm not so sure Melissa would have been considering an abortion at all had she known she would have the basic resources to raise her child well. The number one reason cited by the women I counseled for having an abortion was money. What would have given Melissa a real choice? The guarantee of good childcare, a safe neighborhood, quality healthcare, and a good education for her child. Reverend Rob Keithen is an ordained UU minister with a lot of professional experience in the areas of reproductive health, rights, and justice. Writing now about this current moment in 2022, he reminds us, if the Supreme Court overturns or guts Roe versus Wade, 
26 states are certain or likely to ban abortion, according to the Guttmachter Institute. That said, it is also critical to understand that Roe does not guarantee access to abortion. It simply places limits on the restrictions that states can impose. For many reasons, many black, brown, and indigenous people have always lacked sufficient access to abortion care. Focusing primarily on the legal right to abortion tends to reinforce a framework centered on the circumstances of wealthier white women. To respond to the needs and call of this moment, we need to center the importance of actual access for all people. And he says, we're at the dire place we are now because of the small minority of people who want the state to restrict access to abortion have been much more strategic and much more mobilized than those people, including people of faith, who support access to safe and legal abortion. Put another way, we need a much bigger base. We need a lot more moderate and progressive people of faith who are willing to speak powerfully and publicly in support of access to abortion and other sexual and reproductive health care. If the Supreme Court overturns or guts Roe versus Wade, he says, which sadly seems likely, the roles and risks will be very different depending on where you are located. Those in higher access states can, for example, provide much needed funds and potentially education and direct support for medication abortion through video or phone support. Finally, he reminds us, it should be noted that the end goal of organizing for reproductive health rights and or justice is not that every person has the same personal or religious views on abortion. The dominant cultural framework consciously and unconsciously encourages us to think that only a narrow, single perspective is possible, for or against, pro-access or pro-choice and pro-life. The more relevant question is, who should decide? Respect for bodily autonomy is a core principle of reproductive justice, and religious freedom is a core principle of American democracy. Taken together, the result is straightforward. Every person should be able to make decisions about their bodies and access health care according to their own beliefs and values. Whether or not someone chooses abortion and how they feel about it is up to them. The goal is not that everyone feels the same way. The goal is that everyone has access and support for what they need. I remain devotedly pro-choice and pro-abortion even. That's why I'm a contributor to the National Network of Abortion Funds why I will continue talking openly about abortion in this faith community, while we'll continue talking about it at our family's dinner table. And I am learning to more deliberately promote reproductive justice and greater access to real choices related to reproductive health, sexuality, and parenting for everybody. I urge you to join me in that learning to explore the resources that are available on the Side with Love website, from Sister Song, find ways to engage faithfully in the movement for true reproductive justice. 
There is one specific opportunity coming up this week for those of you who have flexible schedules. There's a newly formed group called SACRED, Spiritual Alliance of Communities for Reproductive Dignity, SACRED. On Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, they're having what they're describing as a first-of-its-kind virtual gathering of justice-oriented people of faith, activists and leaders from the reproductive health rights and justice community. Keynotes, panels, breakout sessions. There's a link in today's service archive and it's also accessible from the Side with Love website if any of you are available to do that this week. But for now, let's remember that every body is sacred. Your body is yours. The choices available are not or should not be merely for or against. For your body, you get to choose faithfully. Amen. Will you now rise in spirit and in body if you want to? And let's sing together, How Could Anyone? each week, not only do we give voice to personal joys and sorrows within our community, but we also engage in an embodied ritual of dropping stones into a communal bowl of water to represent the ways that each life and each story ripples out and touches us all held in our collective embrace. So while Michael and I and Peter engage in that ritual here in the sanctuary, we invite you to do the same at home as we honor those things that have been shared today.
Will you please join me now for a moment of reflection and stillness and prayer? Holy One of love, of life, that which calls us to live abundantly. May we, each of us and all of us together, have what we need to thrive with children in our families, without children, with bodies that we love and care for. May we know that each of us is a whole being. We hold with tenderness the grief and the sorrow of those who have lost loved ones recently, especially those who are gone tragically and unexpectedly. We are grateful for the ways they've touched our lives, even as we mourn their passing. And we are grateful for the ways that this community continues to nurture us with its commitment, with its courage, with its music, with its learning, with its stories. May we continue to transform and to thrive. Now let us share just a moment of stillness and quiet for our own prayers. Blessed be. Amen.
Good morning, UUCC. My name is Jen Hayashi, and my pronouns are she and her. Our benediction today is You Are Loved by Reverend Greta Seidel. Everyone loves someone who had an abortion. And let's talk about the flip side. If you had an abortion, you are loved. If you've never told a soul, or if you share your story regularly, you are loved. If you are confident in your decision or wonder if it was the right choice, you are loved. If you are a queer, non-binary, trans, two-spirit, or a cis woman, you are loved. If you are child-free by choice or want to have kids eventually, you are loved. If your choice was driven by medical viability or your own emotional health, you are loved. If you found a provider to care for you or had to rely on yourself, you are loved. If you are always pro-choice or if your choice conflicts with your beliefs, you are loved. If you love your body or are still angry with your body, you are loved. If you believe God loves you or you believe in nothing divine at all, you are loved. If you find yourself reflected here, or your truth is more than words and ink post can, you are loved. Thank you, Jen. Reverend Darcy Baxter wrote, let this reproductive justice work be a way for us, all of us, to nurture our practices of justice and care in our shared, messy, lived, and interdependent community. To that, let's say, amen. And don't forget to stick around for Social Hour. See you next time, UUCC.
But such is life
they call her name at 7.30 I pace around the parking lot And I walk down to buy her flowers And sell some gifts that I got Can't you see Driving back 